many kids are dealt a hand out of the worst deck of life, sending so many of them off the deep end in so many different ways. But every once in a while, these kids, who may have some problems, are the light in the dark environment they are forced to be around, with monsters lurking around every corner, posing as the people who are supposed to care for them the most. Today, we talk about the disappearance of Jalik Rainwalker in hopes that he's still alive to this day and that one of those monsters didn't shut his light off. Hey guys, and welcome back to my podcast. I'm your host, Lulu, and today's case is about Jalik Rainwalker. Now, I've heard about this case a couple different times by a couple different podcasters as well. Um, So I was kind of worried about talking about it, but I still felt like since he was so young and he still has not been found, that it was important to cover this missing persons case. Honestly, I think that's how I'm going to do missing persons cases is I don't really care if a lot of people cover them. Um, They're missing. And so it's important that we talk about these because every single person who talks about these missing people is hopefully another step at getting them home, if that makes any sense. So I decided that even though it was a more popular case, I was going to go ahead and cover it now because it's important for Jalik to get his story out there. And if he's alive somewhere, to hopefully get him home one day because he deserves to be home. I mean, you guys, this kid was exposed to a really hard life in the first place, just right off the bat. And so I do you know, I do hope that he's alive somewhere and that we can bring him home and show him that his life wasn't always meant to be hard, even though I honestly don't think that that's going to be the case with this case. I do think that he, they're probably looking for a body at this point and that's really heartbreaking. But we'll get into more of why I think that um, and why a lot of people think that as we go through this case. So I did also want to mention that if anybody on here is interested in getting a sneak peek of some kind before next week's episodes go up, I do post on my social medias um, which episodes are going up the next week. So if you're interested in getting a sneak peek, you can go ahead and follow me on all of those. If you want to, I have a TikTok, which I do kind of suck at posting on. I'm going to get better at that one, but I post on my Twitter almost daily and I post at least weekly on my Instagram so I do also have a Facebook page and I do post on that as well every once in a while but if you are interested in hearing these cases before they come up or sending me some sort of case requests over the messengers or things like that you can go ahead and follow those but if I do start to get a flood of DMs um I just want to give you a warning that if you're sending me case requests over those type of things that it might be a lot harder for me to respond and see them. So I would still recommend if you have any case requests, go ahead and send it to the email. It's on my website, 
but it is just confessedobsessedcaserequest at gmail.com. So if anybody has any case requests, go ahead and send them there, and I'm more likely to see that. But if you want to just, you know, send me some sort of message, let's keep that all on the social media, and let's keep that email open to just case requests if we can. Anyways, let's go ahead and jump back into Jalik's case. Now, as you probably got from the beginning of this, Jalik was exposed to a very hard life very early on, you guys. While his mother was pregnant with him, she would often participate in a lot of dangerous activities. These dangerous activities included drugs and alcohol. Because of these things his mother did while pregnant, he was born right off the bat with some issues. He ended up having a lot of speech issues. That's a big one. He had a slight speech impediment. It caused him to pronounce any word with the letter R in them as if it was a W. Um, he was also born into this world already addicted to crack and alcohol. Because of this, the state did take him from his parents. And this is where he would start to be placed home after home. He was placed in six different homes before he had gone missing. While he grew up, he began to develop some very severe emotional problems. He would also develop very violent tendencies. When he would have any sort of outbursts, he would react violently to these and he would throw punches and things like that. At this point, they ended up diagnosing him with reactive attachment disorder. A reactive attachment disorder is when a young child is unable to make a proper love connection to anyone. This is often caused because they did not get proper care, comfort, or affection from a caregiver while they grew up. Now, this is more common in children who have gone from home to home to home. As you've probably heard a million and a half times, and this is not always the case, being in different homes and being in the foster care is very difficult for children. A lot of the times, they are placed in abusive homes, um, and they also get placed with people who obviously don't have the same connection as, you know, they would with their normal child. So they do tend to get neglected a little more and things like that. And if you don't give a child that comfort or affection that they needed growing up, this is what will quickly follow those actions. So it is not uncommon for children who have been in home after home after home to develop this sort of disorder. The symptoms of this disorder are usually explained as withdrawal, a lot of fear and sadness. They'll also be partnered with irritability a lot of the times, which could be taken out with anger, which did happen in Jalik's case. Jalik had a lot of anger issues and outbursts because of these serious mental disorders, you guys. And I'm not saying that he didn't have some in the first place, but these disorders did not help him at all. This condition also comes with 
no speaking, and giving no response to comfort that was given to the child. Most of the time, they do not smile very often. They like to watch the social interactions people have together, but they do not like to interact with people. And they don't like interacting in games like peekaboo or interactive games like that where you would interact with somebody different. Now, at one point, Jalik almost got adopted. Jody and Larry shown. This was one of his very serious foster homes. They cared for him for almost four years and did plan on adopting him. Now, they did confirm that he did have these violent outbursts and that sometimes they could last up to an hour or more. Before the adoption went through, Jalik ended up attacking their daughter, and this was when they decided that their home was not the right one for him, that he was going to need to leave. After this, he was brought into Stefan and Jocelyn Kern's home. This home was very different from his other homes. This home actually had no running water, and the only electricity was the stuff that came out of the generator that they had on their property. This generator would run for hours on end, so as anybody knows, generators are loud, so it was very loud around this home. Everybody in this home actually shared a room together, and the family claimed that this was because it was much better for the environment because they really didn't have to heat much more than the one room. But it is weird that somebody without proper running water could foster or adopt another child. And maybe that's just me, but I feel like there should be some definite rules that you need to follow and some guidelines that your home has to fall into before you should be able to let somebody live with you, if that makes any sense. Now, I did see that these parents were reported as being more abusive. Um, I'm not sure how much, but I do know that they were very hard on him. And this mental disorder that he had in not showing love or being able to accept that love definitely did a toll on this family. He was seen oftentimes writing papers apologizing for things over and over and over again that his stepfather made him write and just other cases like that this home was a lot harder than his other foster homes but even with these very difficult things that they had to deal with and learn to you know help him with Stefan and Jocelyn still decided to adopt him um this, in my opinion, if you do believe the parents had something to do with his disappearance, could definitely be the turning point. Because they decided a little while later that they wanted to reverse this adoption. His newly adopted parents wanted to reverse this and had talked to the social workers and the judges around them that helped them settle this adoption. This is when the family would be informed that that was not possible. 
and that instead of adoption, they could do other options like respite care instead. But we're going to talk about that a little bit later. Right now, we're going to go ahead and jump into Jalik's disappearance. He was last seen at his adoptive grandparents' home. This was the parents of his newly adopted father. Stefan, the adopted father, claimed that everything was normal that night, nothing of concern, and he ended up waking up that morning at around 7.30 a.m. and decided he was going to wake Jalik up. When he got up to his room, though, he discovered that Jalik was nowhere to be found. And the only thing in that room to lead them anywhere was a note. This note read, Dear everybody, I'm sorry for everything. I won't be a bother anymore. Goodbye. It's important to note that this note was typed out, then printed off. His adoptive father ended up reporting him missing about 30 minutes after the discovery of this note. I also wanted to mention that somebody said how they seen Jalik writing this note. They seen him getting in trouble at his parents' house and his father made him write a note with these exact words on it. Now, once Stefan decided to call the police, he informed them that he did not believe Jalik was carrying any cash or credit cards. Essentially, he believed that Jalik got up and walked out of the house one day without anything. Quickly, a very extensive search of the surrounding areas was played out. But even after combing the areas over and over and over again, just hoping they would find this little boy. They did not find any sign of him or any sign of where he could have disappeared to. There is no proof that he ran away or that he committed suicide. However, within just a few days into the disappearance, the authorities actually announced that they now believe that he was met with foul play, even though they had no body. Even if he had run off and gotten lost, they don't believe he could have gotten that far, being so young and survived, but they also didn't believe that it was impossible for them to miss where he was at if he just ran away, if that makes any sense. Now, let's bring you back really quick to that respite care. Now, this type of care is when people who adopt children essentially get very overwhelmed with them and they will put the child aside they'll take the child and put them in some sort of boarding school or hospital this is when they would temporarily watch the child for you and take care of him so that his primary caregivers could be given a break the family did decide to take up this offer and ended up handing them to a couple named elaine and tom when he disappeared, that was only one day after coming back from this respite care. Now, I wanted to mention, too, that Elaine and Tom were licensed foster care parents who had actually watched and hung out with Jalik before this incident. 
They provided respite care to a lot of different people and had given Jalik's adoptive parents a break. A couple of times, actually. They ended up watching him as soon as they were placed together until November 1st, to which they released him back into the care of his adoptive parents. And the day his family had set up for him to be sent to another home is the day he ended up going missing. Now, like we said before, his father waited about 30 minutes and then called the police and informed them that he was missing. They started searching, but nothing came of this. Um, because of this, they had to open an investigation up. Obviously, with any missing person, that's kind of how you do things. Especially with this being a case where the parents already right off the bat didn't seem very concerned or like they wanted him in the first place. Both of his parents maintain their innocence, though. Now, his adoptive mother ended up taking a polygraph test and passing, but his adoptive father refused to take one. Um, let's not really, you know, focus in on that piece of evidence because honestly, you should never take a polygraph test whether you're innocent or not because they're so easy to fool. They're so easy to fail. It's just, it's better to not take it anyways. So I don't blame him for not taking one. Um, so let's not like get hung up on that piece of evidence. So his adoptive parents then informed the police that they believed Jalik just ran away. They claimed that he had spoken about wanting to live with an African-American family like himself or that he had decided to run away and join a gang, which both of those, I feel like the first one sounds a little more believable than the second one. I don't really understand where this gang idea would have come from, though, because this idea seems very thrown in there. This idea seems very much like they're trying to paint Jalik in a bad image, that he was this bad kid who wanted to join a gang. And if that makes any sense, I feel like this is why this would have been thrown in there, because that's just really weird. And you guys, they couldn't find him. Or any sign of him. And less than a year later, in January of 2008, the authorities officially named his adoptive father, Stefan, as a person of interest in his disappearance. There is a little bit of a difference, though, here between a person of interest and a suspect. A person of interest is somebody who they believe has more involvement in the case but is not necessarily the one responsible um a person of interest could know more about the case and haven't told the police so for example if somebody would have came into a bar picked up a girl and murdered her later the bartender would have been a person of interest because the bartender might have not had a hand in it but would know a little bit more about how she was when she left, you know, if that makes any sense. It's somebody that they are interested in learning more of the case about and that they believe knows more about the case. Whereas a suspect is a person who the prosecutors believe is involved. That is somebody who, you know, helped move the body or somebody who actually committed the crime. They have enough evidence 
to believe that this person is responsible or involved. Whereas a person of interest, they do not have enough evidence to believe that they are responsible or involved. I hope that makes sense. So he was only named a person of interest and not a suspect. In the same sitting that they announced that his adoptive father, Stefan, was a person of interest, they also announced that they had significant proof that he had lied about his alibi that night, if you would even call it an alibi. They had him on surveillance video driving around a little after midnight. This, though, would have been when he had originally told police that he was home and in bed. They also pulled the cell phone records and it proved that he had even lied about the route he took home that day because he had taken a completely different route home. These are just more red flags in this case. It was also brought to the attention of the authorities that Stefan was very violent. Stefan's wife had told them these things. She told them that he was especially violent towards children and that she had kicked him out at one point because of his aggression towards the children in the home. Jalik's grandmother even spoke about one specific incident where Stefan took Jalik outside in a rage and dunked him in a creek in the backyard repeatedly, you guys. He was violent. He was mean. These are just more red flags for the police to look at to see that Stefan definitely was at least a person of interest in this crime. He knew a lot more than he was letting on. Because of all of these red flags that were coming up about Stefan now at this point, they gained a search warrant to search his home. This is where they would end up seizing one of his computers because they wanted to see if this computer was used to write that goodbye note that they found. Unfortunately, though, they could not prove or disprove this theory. And days after this search warrant was carried out, his adoptive parents decided to file a lawsuit against the police because they claimed that the search that they had carried out was illegal and improper. Jalik's adoptive grandmother, who I don't know if we said her name, her name was Barbara Reilly, by the way, decided after all this was going down that she was going to file for custody of him. Um, even though he had disappeared, this way, if he was ever found dead or alive, she would be the one who had the rights to pick him up and decide what would happen to him. Or if he was found alive, that he would be safe and be able to come and live with her. She was denied, however, and she decided in July of 2008 that she was going to break into Stefan and Jocelyn's home to do her own search. This is where she would find a piece of Jalik's clothing. She brought it to the police and informed them about this clothing. This is when they arrested her for breaking and entering. But this piece of clothing that she had found was a yellow fleece shirt and this is the shirt that his adoptive parents claim that he was last seen wearing before he disappeared. Even though his grandmother was arrested, the police took a big interest in this yellow fleece shirt and kept it for evidence. This is proof that there is still more lying going on in this case. But that's, that's where Jalik Rainwalker's story ends, you guys. They've never found him. They've never given him 
if he is dead, closure. And if he's alive, they've never given him the life that he deserves. He deserves something free and comforting, and he probably doesn't have that. And it's just heartbreaking to think that an adoptive parent could do this to a kid, but it happens more often than you think. They adopt these kids, and then they regret it later on, and they don't want them, but you can't go back on an adoption. And it's just, it's heartbreaking. A lot of people think that Stefan is responsible. A lot of people do. I mean, you talk to anybody, and some people think that he ran away, but... I feel like the majority of them lean on the fact that Stefan did something to him and everybody's trying to cover it. And I mean, if you think about it, his own mother broke into his house to find proof that he did something. Even his family thinks that he did something, you guys. And it's just heartbreaking that if something did happen, that we haven't brought Jalik home. And I hope that one day we can. So, once again, Jalik Rainwalker is a biracial male. He was 5'6 when he went missing and weighed 105 pounds. He had brown hair with blonde highlights that was also styled in a 2-inch afro paired with bright green eyes. He disappeared on November 1st, 2007. He was 12 when he went missing and was last seen wearing a bright yellow fleece pullover a gray t-shirt with a dragon graphic on the front, matched with blue jeans and black high-top canvas sneakers. If he was alive today, he would be 26. Once again, Jalik Rainwalker went missing on November 1st, 2007. He is described as a biracial male who was 5'6 and weighed 105 pounds when he went missing. He has brown hair with blonde highlights that was often styled in a two-inch afro paired with bright green eyes. He was 12 when he went missing and was last seen wearing a bright yellow fleece pullover, a gray t-shirt with a dragon graphic on the front, matched with blue jeans and black high-top canvas sneakers. If alive today, Jalik would be 26 years old. He went missing from Greenwich, New York. He is considered missing and endangered. If you have any information about the case or the whereabouts of Jalik, whether it's a small detail or where he is at now, please call the Greenwich Village Police Department at 518-692-9332. Once again, that's 518-692-9332. Two. Let's bring Jalik Rainwalker home together and either give him the life that he deserved or give him the closure that he deserves. There may be false or misleading information throughout this podcast. All facts have been researched to the best of my abilities, but accidents do happen. If this is a story you are interested in knowing more about, I highly recommend doing your own research. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.